You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, sponsored by Broken Egg Games. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 109 of Line of Sight. I'm Chandler. I'm here with Jaden. Hello. And Brett. Hi, I'm here. We're all here. We're all here. It's the whole squad. It's twice in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nailed Some it. Some kind of record. Yeah, perfect. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to kick through news and stuff real fast, because it's late. We're recording late yeah. today. Yeah, we are. Uh, and... Brett's going to die. It's true. so late. So, yeah. Uh, so, what do we got coming up? The Las Vegas Open. It's like next week. Yeah. Which, a yeah. week from today, we'll be playing Monpoc, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Saturday yeah. at 1045 Central, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. So, that's going to be coming up on January 24th, 25th, 26th. Tyson was posting up a bunch of the terrain stuff. Yeah, it looks so cool. Those trenches are gr- amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy to think that he's got all of those sitting there, and they're like, obviously, they're all kind of just primed, like, off-white right now. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you better believe he's going to stay up way too much painting those things over the next yeah. few days. I mean, the man also has, like, multiple airbrushes, so. Yeah, yeah. He'll just oh. two-hand airbrushes, one airbrush in each hand. <laughs> Maybe one in his mouth, just getting them done. So, yep, yeah, that'll be a really good time. Uh, well, we should have one more cast out by then, but um, yeah, so yeah. Emphasis uh, on should. <clears throat> should, yeah. We also already mentioned we've got the uh, that uh, Warfare Weekend uh, announced all of their qualifiers as well as the new system that they've got in place. Best way to look for that is go to, go to the Warfare Weekend Facebook um, and look around on that because it's, it's, there's a whole post about it because um, it's involved. Yeah. Oh, one other thing that I forgot to write down. Uh, mm. WTC applications are due January 29th, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. So go to the, oh man, what's it called? WTC War Machine and Hordes Facebook page. They've got a post. Yeah. And there's a process that I will be undertaking after next weekend. Yep. Nice. Very nice. I, yeah, I need, to, I need to see if I can apply for that. Yes, that would be neat. Um, do, 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 do. The Herm of Hengel Twitter is doing its thing. Today's is about pretty... Xerxes. Yep. 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 Uh, so that's been uh, kind of a cool little little lore drop, especially because we haven't had a whole lot of fluff lately. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what the handle on that is? It's at Hold Scroll, I think. Gotcha. Um, I just type hermit yeah. <laughs> in, my, in my search, so I don't remember what the actual thing is. Uh, yeah, I followed it like a real person, and then I just get to see it. Oh, I have it followed. I just follow a lot of things, so it all gets oh, kind of drowned. Fair. I it follow gets, like four things. Right, it gets <laughs> kind of drowned. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, also, we've got the line of sight Discord's doing its thing. I believe we recently merged the Vassal Discord in, right? Yeah. So from now on, the Vassal modules are going to point you at our Discord. And we're going to be hosting all of the like, here's the updates we're looking or looking for a game or like chatting about Vassal or error reporting or all that other good stuff. So, yeah, yeah the other one was like pretty stagnant and not growing. And 
like the guy who was running it was not interested in really running it anymore. So I was like, hey, I also run this other Discord because I was modding for that one. How do you feel about just merging them? And he's like, yeah, let's make it happen. So like 30 minutes later, that was just done. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. Easy. Yep. Uh, yeah. Also, we're still doing it. We're still rocking, getting three articles a week out, right? Yeah, we are. Still happening. My, yep. I would be contributing if my life hadn't. No, somebody else's life was exploding around me and I had to go help. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, I got you covered. Yep. Yep. Uh, also, wouldn't surprise me if we got thrown off a little bit next week just due to LVO. But yeah, uh, we'll, don't we'll e- don't expect three things next week. We're all going to be at LVO on Friday, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we I might be able to line. We might be able to line up. something up. <laughs> nice, fairness. Yeah, yeah, and we I'm might gonna be. And I'm going to make you guys read it because it's about demoing Montauk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, th- we might be able to line something up for Friday, but we'll. I don't know. We'll see. It's hard. It's hard when you're. Yeah, because like the reception and the, the the lack of internet in the con hall itself. There, I know. I always feel like I get there and want to like do stuff through social media, like Twitter and whatnot, on mm-hmm. and like through our Facebook. But our reception is inevitably garbage at like yeah. every convention. Mm-hmm. So well, it's in like, that one in particular, it's like if I think we're like underground in that one. <laughs> it's pod. You never. No, we're not. It's, we're not. But it really feels. Like I mean, that's how yeah. Vegas is designed. It's, yeah, you're not supposed to ever know what time of day it is. But um, yeah, it's the. I mean, they they do that kind of thing on purpose, though. Like the the places are the pl- casinos are weird, man. They design they design themselves to do some strange shit. But um, yeah, it's very very hard to get posts out a lot of the time, uh, which is annoying. Um. Do 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 do. Yeah. Uh, also, we had our Patreon winners from a couple of casts ago. Yep. Uh, I think the only people haven't, we haven't heard from is Luke Atkinson for the small base blister and Simon Withers for the painted small base blister. So, yep. Yeah. Let us know about those. So yeah. That's all. That's all our stuff at the beginning. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about what you should do if you're losing. Talking about being losers. <laughs> Did it, that's it, right? <laughs> Good job, Chandler. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh boy. I'm kidding. So am I. Like was against everything we've ever talked about here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brett. This feels like a very Brett topic, so why don't you take the lead on this? All right. So, um what makes a good war machine player is not um getting lucky, getting ahead, and um rolling or riding that to victory. Although that is an important skill. It is an important skill to identify when you're winning and when to stop taking risks. Yep, but we've it, actually done a cast about that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> That's, I was going to say, we should have done a cast about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but the opposite of that, I think, is an even more important skill. Um, yeah. I, feel, I feel like this is something that will come up even more often um, than winning, is how to keep your cool and come up with a plan uh, when you are losing and behind and what to do about that. And my cat just stole my dessert. <laughs> Give me Brent's, one second. Brent's, Brent's cat is being an asshole today. So that's how that's going. Uh, yeah. So that's basically like he, the, the way he decided to phrase it was, was like a sign of a good player. For me, this is, uh, I think a slightly better word would be like consistent player. Yeah, it's probably um, because the the thing is, like a, a good player can kind of just go in and set themselves up, you know, to be ahead every game. Like it 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 can 
happen to a degree, but inevitably you're going to hit things that are either a string of bad luck uh, with dice, which does happen occasionally, um, a very bad matchup, uh, just any number of things that can go wrong that start to put you behind, even if, you know, like, basically regardless of how good of a situation you try to put yourself up in. Um, so being able to actually be consistent, like the kind of players who are actually going to win conventions, especially regularly, you have to be able to play from behind because you're going to be behind at least yep. once, you know, <laughs> like in any given event, you're going to be behind at least once. Honestly, yeah. I find it's almost half the time. Uh, uh, ma- matchups are matchups yeah. are kind of in that sort of place these days where things are close enough that you you can very easily get even just a bit behind early on and you have to know how to react to that right (laughs) if you just give up as soon as you get behind then the game's over i mean yeah you're a the game's over and b that's like you're gonna lose like half your games that way yeah so the the first thing and it kind of i think it it feels obvious until you kind of talk about it but you you kind of have to know how to determine when you are behind or losing Mm -hmm. uh so we've kind of wrote out like a few different um axes you can sort of use to determine or, or at least to, to think about what what the problem is because how you're going to react to it is a little bit different depending on exactly what you're losing on because there's there are multiple you know uh, win conditions uh so the first one we had on there is scenario mm-hmm. so there's there's a couple there's there's really obvious times when you're winning or when you're losing on scenario and then there's Definitely much less obvious times sometimes. Right. Um, I've had games where literally I am feeling like I'm losing on scenario based on the starting die roll. <laughs> um, sure. Depending on, depending on very specific matchups. Yeah. Or, or like another thing is like you're, you're about even, but your opponent just killed your last solo. And this is a scenario with multiple flags. Playing bunkers. Yeah. Yeah. Or like your opponent is about to score three. And right. even though it's even, you're now in huge trouble. Yeah. So that's one thing is if your opponent is up three on you, you are probably beginning to lose on scenario. Well, so I think this is actually a relevant point that we need to talk about is you need to determine how far behind you are. Right. If you're if they're going to score and get one point ahead of you on scenario, that's not like a desperate change everything, throw it all out the window. I'm screwed. Yeah, but but if they're going to score and win on scenario on the next turn, yeah, it's time to start breaking glass in case of emergency <laughs> do, do we want to go through all four of them real fast and then go in depth or do we want to just tackle them i think i think let's tackle them one at a time yeah. okay because you have to react to them differently right yeah. You're, you're, yeah you're kind of pivoting from one to the other mm-hmm. yeah it's true yeah. so yeah like if, if you're there's a big difference between one being one point down and four points down right four, yeah one point four. down might as well be even on most of the scenarios like it's pretty common it's turn six yeah it's it's pretty common to be one but like it's very like a, a pretty so this is like a, a common sort of thing let's take like bunkers right bunkers has a defensive scoring zone kind of on either player's side mm-hmm. it is not uncommon for nobody to really be scoring the flags because they can be a little hard to score early on depending on depending on what you have available um and they're just in like you're basically just running something into the opponent's zone <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to contest it, that's yeah. going to mean you guys are going to alternate being, being up one basically. Yep. But it's not really relevant. It's not immediately a problem unless you forget to do it, and then your opponent's up two, and then it's like oh. right. It's and so that's that's one reason that, that play of running to contest to get up one point does force your hand. Because the thing is, is that at the end of the day, the game can go to round seven, and if they're up one point on you, they win. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, and so it does become more dramatic the later you get in the game. Yeah, yeah, a single point. And you'll see that. Like, I can almost see it sometimes where you're playing a game and the opponent is one or two points up on you. They're not going to win by getting to five, but you kind of almost see that look in their eyes of like, okay, I can run this. I can run the clock on this one, basically. And yeah. in, But that's something like, yeah, when you're getting to like turn five, turn six, and you're behind a couple points and haven't been able to catch up, that's a scenario loss incoming. Yep. Yeah, and, and in them noticing that they're ahead and can use that as a win condition is something you should also notice and say, because you can't fix that on turn seven. You have to fix it in turn five. Yeah, five yeah. is really, I think five is really the, the, the kind of point of no return a lot of the time. Yeah. Six sometimes, sometimes, if, 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 if you, you are about to have half. a domineering turn, yeah. yeah. But generally five is where, like, if you're still down a couple of points and they still have a lot of scenario pressure, they're going to be able to ride it out to seven and you've got to, you've got, and like, uh, this is something I'm really bad at. I, I never noticed the round seven timer coming. I'm really, yeah. really bad about it. I would probably have won a lot more games if I was more willing to just get a couple points ahead and just wait. Well, uh, us old War Machine players aren't used to it. I know. Yeah. I have no muscle memory for that. The, See, that's really interesting because yeah. that's about, that's how I win most of my games. And that's why I, th I think what I need to do, and this is how I learn any mechanic, really. I think I need to way over focus on it for like a month and it'll, it'll start getting into my head, okay. but I just, yeah. So we, anyway. so we said that you need to identify when you're behind a scenario. We said that it gets like, how do I, like how to identify how far before you are and when to freak out. What do you do once you freak out? Well, you, a, you should stay calm, but start, uh, flipping, stay calm. start flipping tables. <laughs> it's over. Uh, so, um, so there's a number of things that you need to check on at that point, right? Um, like, all right, I'm I'm way down. Uh, am I able to get a ridiculous attrition lead this turn and like maybe score a point to stabilize? And hold on, for everybody listening, when I say score a point, I mean like advance one point in the relative. I lose at five meter yeah. not like i score one point because if your opponent scores one point as well it basically doesn't matter yeah right so um like how so am i doing on attrition we, we should call that netting one point like sure yeah net one point. point yeah yeah i like yeah. that all right so netting one point um can i can i like kill a whole bunch of things net one point and then like hold on and then, then in a couple of turns i'll be okay um, this is where you're setting up what we're talking about where it's turn five or six if you wipe out everything but their caster then right. you, you'll be able to score four and get back on scenario and not worry about it. Yeah, because you'll be able to start scoring on their turn, which is the important part. Yes. And and this, um, if this is the thing you have to do, this means you might be playing some slightly riskier plays than you want to. I mean, this, is, uh, this is where so you start I, going for like unboosted sixes. Yeah, I, and that's, I want to mention that kind of across all of these. Um, when you are starting to lose, like there's sort of a meter you have to get used to about how much risk you're going to take. And the more you are losing, the more risks you start needing to take. Right. Yeah. And and it, it, it's really obvious when you think about it from the other point of view. Mm -hmm. If you're winning, you don't want anything unexpected to happen. You want to be as sure as possible. Right. And so when you're losing, you want to create, you almost want to be like, I'm it, to you, a degree. You, you, you want to roll those triple sixes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you need to give yourself the opportunity to roll them, which yeah, is right. something that a lot of people don't do. Yes, like my my local meta kind of jokes at me because every time that I say I just need to roll this really high number, I get it like ninety percent of the time, and I don't think that's actually the case, but I I attempt it. Well, I attempt it way exactly. more than a lot of people would. Yeah, because instead of just giving up and saying oh, I'll make a safe play and you know go for tiebreakers which are worthless, um, 
you say, all right, I'm going to take this risk because a 10% chance of winning this way is better than a 100% chance of losing. So is it, is it fair to say that regardless of which axis we're talking about, if you're losing, you need to be more proactive? Proactive. Um, then well, it kind of depends because by kind of by nature of it, you are reacting to what they're doing to you. I don't know. So I, I don't know. It's kind I, of a weird. I feel like yeah. in War Machine, you're always being proactive on your turn. Yeah, yeah I think All that's right, just always. I okay. think that should, should um, always be kind of a thing. I but. I do think you you go for go for more stuff like um, taking safe plays and keeping your stuff protected. Uh, and you know, making sure that you've tech, you've ticked every box is a lot more important when you're winning. Right. Okay. Yeah. So then the other thing is, uh, if if your opponent is at like two minutes and you're at like twenty minutes, that's another thing that you should be looking at. And um, playing for the clock in a tournament is a perfectly valid thing to do. If you can start lighting things on fire, knocking stuff down, um, doing strange things that they have to check during their turn that are mandatory. Oh, so that. That or just you know, putting in six models to contest. Right? Yeah, they, yeah, putting they, in a ton of models to contest. Yeah, because like once you're down to two minutes, you literally don't have enough time to kill more than one warjack. <laughs> yeah, because it takes yeah. between four and seven or ten attacks to kill a warjack on yeah. like normally. So yeah, it takes about ten seconds to complete an attack ish. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe Kill, five if you're fast. Killing a warjack in a minute is pretty good. <laughs> that's that's yeah. some pretty sloppy dice rolls. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, contesting with a whole bunch of things, just riding out that that time and forcing them to make bad decisions because that's the other thing is that when your opponent's on a time crunch, they're going to make bad decisions. Yes. Yeah. They're they're not going to pay as much attention to where their caster goes. They're not. They might screw up contesting. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is all really important stuff that you need to try and force as much as possible. Like leave a scoring model on every one of their flags and hope that they forget one of them. Yeah. Yep. The other thing, and this is something I see that is a bit of a it's a bit of a freak out reaction you'll see quite a bit, is people just doing the well, I just need to contest, so they kind of just run to contest everything. The you kind of one of the things is especially with the way that scenario works now, where and especially with that round seven timer, is once you're behind you're not going to gain anything unless there's a time issue. You're really not going to gain anything by just contesting without gaining any ground, typically speaking. And you like if the other thing, and this is kind of interesting to think about as well, especially if you're running into those later rounds, just scoring a couple points as well without like actually taking some board control isn't really going to help you either because Because they are going to score ahead as well and they're going to keep doing that like if you're just like okay well i just have i'm just keeping up with you now instead of like hemorrhaging it doesn't matter because you're going to hit that round seven clock eventually you have to be able to look at it and go where can i actually gain ground the 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 number one thing in my opinion if you can find any opportunity to score on their turn yes it Uh is a that is that is where ground is gained is scoring on the opponent's turn yes um one way i like to do that is if you're ahead on attrition you just line your back zone Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anything they send into you then blocks their attacks or blocks their movement, and it's just yeah, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to like solidly line it if you just really quickly put down like a proxy base and be like, all right, will these guys block a small base from getting into my zone? Then you can do it with less models than you think. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the other thing you need to look for for scenario is start looking like you're running to contesting, but actually setting up assassination vectors. So, 
like heavies that can survive one one or two free strikes. Just run them in, um, and then the turn after try and clear them out and go in. Um, yep. But I, I think that's a really good way to come back from a from an incoming scenario loss is yeah. to contest with everything you can, um, hope hope that something survives, and then go for it the next turn. The that, other that, interesting that's if you're also behind on attrition. Yeah. The other interesting thing about. Um scenario Mm -hmm. specifically is that i think this is like one of the few like the only time when it's not a good idea to try to like give them a 30 percent of 40 percent assassination run on you because if they're just winning on scenario anyway and you don't do anything else they'll just continue to score if they're smart so okay so you need there's two ways to think about it the first way is you should not put your caster in a vulnerable spot for no reason so sometimes that's the right play. Sometimes the right play is to put your caster in a vulnerable spot for no reason and hope that they screw up and go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost did that to Jaden by toughing two times. <laughs> with <Barker>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, on the other hand, if you are behind on scenario, um, sending in your caster, or sorry, if you're behind on attrition, this is a lot more. Um, yes, this is the attrition one. Yeah, yeah. Um, sending in your caster to do work and get points back um, is a is a way to catch up in attrition, and if that normally you wouldn't do that because it would give your opponent a, like a thirty percent assassination. But when you're behind, you should do that because you know a thirty percent assassination is far better odds than what you've yeah. got losing yeah. attrition. I mean, Specifically Catherine's... on like Recon Two and um, the Pit Two or whatever it's called, the one with oh no, King of the Hill. Where your caster can score a flag and a zone simultaneously, like if you can send your caster in, kill the things contesting with your caster, and then score those two points, you've gotten yourself back up on scenario. You've given them a an assassination run, but you're not going to instantly lose next turn. Yeah, because right. yeah, if you're getting like two or three points behind on scenario, um, it's a lot more likely you're going to lose on scenario than uh, like a thirty to forty percent assassination. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and it, so another thing, I don't think we mentioned it really on here, but um, for scenario in particular, there's a bit of a target selection you can do as well. Um, my my favorite example for this kind of thing is bunkers because it's so like specific as to what mm-hmm. can score most of it. Um, if you're getting behind on a scenario like that, like eat, certain zones or areas can only be scored by certain things. If you're able to target those out in some way with whatever you've got left to just make it as difficult as possible for them to keep scoring. That helps a lot. Like you can kind of go, Hey, this is like, this unit is an attrition problem, but I'm going to lose on scenario. If I don't kill like these three solos, if you can make that happen, you can stabilize very, very quickly on scenarios. Yeah, that's like true. Some of them, some scenarios can be scored. Like they're kind of general enough that it, it's hard to do that. Um, and obviously some of them are in places where like casters can score pretty like fairly safely, yeah. but, uh, yeah, but it is something great, to keep an eye out for. is a great example. If you kill yeah. all their solos, you're, they, you're, you they are no score longer one, yeah. <laughs> Once all their solos are gone, they can only score one flag <laughs> yeah. and it's with their caster. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Unless you're playing uh, against convergence and then they've got 8,000 solos. Anyway. Yeah. Another thing to do <laughs> is, um, if you're, if you're down on scenario is, if there's an objective, you are probably going to need to sacrifice shooting at whatever you were going to shoot at and shoot at the objective instead. Yeah, um, obje- objectives are uh, and they're one point that is typically fairly easy to get if you can focus on it at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they can only be scored once, so you should do it eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, preferably before your opponent wins. 
Yeah, <laughs> ideally. Ideally <laughs> before you lose. Yeah, that's the goal anyway. Um, we already kind of started touching on attrition yes. uh, as sort of the next axis you can lose on. Um, so I think the most important thing about when you're thinking about attrition, uh, sorry, losing on attrition, is you are not as far behind as you think you are. Unless it's like you have three models left, in which case you are. But yeah, but 99% <laughs> of the time when I see people say, oh, I'm so far behind in attrition, I don't have a chance. They're like five points down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or like 10 at most. Yeah. Well, because there's, there's something to be said about attrition as far as what can actually kill what. Right. Like I've definitely had games where it's like, well, I'm down on points, but one of my models is a colossal and you can't kill it. So right. like technically I'm behind, but eh. <laughs> you know, I, I think the um, thing here is to, you have to be Zen about models losing your opponents are yeah. good, are good players. They're going to kill models. Like it's going to happen. War Machine but... is a very bloody game. Like everything dies. <laughs> it's... Mm-hmm. I, I have killed striker two storm walls with arcane shield on them. It's, or striker one storm walls with arcane shield on them. It's it's doable. Yep. yep. So. So okay. Now let's say you actually are behind in nutrition. Um, yep. So if it's a subtle, uh, subtle. If it's if you're subtly behind in nutrition, um, then you can try and sneak in a scenario win. I think this is very very dangerous. Um, yes, but it's also usually it's also the most potent because it's the hardest to like see coming in some ways. Yeah. Um, when it when it works, it's vicious. Because yes. <laughs> like, so, the, the thing is, is generally to to quickly score a whole bunch on scenario, you are basically giving up attrition because usually that means throwing things into places where they're just going to die without doing anything. Well, or instead of killing a model, you just throw a warjack out of a zone. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Six, six good gunshots into an objective. Right. Oh, one other thing real fast before we continue. Um, At no point should you deliberately clue your opponent in into what you're trying to do when you're behind. (laughs) Uh, Like, I like to talk a lot when I play, and I like to explain what I'm doing. If I'm behind, I shut up real fast. Because if I give away, like, this is my one out, and please please don't do that. And please, then I like to say something about it. Please miss, please miss this one thing or please yeah. don't, don't kill this thing that it doesn't seem like I need, but I do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not like, don't be sleazy. Don't be yeah. scummy, but don't give your plans away. Cause you don't have to. No, it's the be, only don't bit be, of like, don't be like information. Yeah. Don't well, be like, un, like forthcoming for no reason, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes your plan is for your opponent to make a mistake. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, when you're behind, yeah, it gets more and more that case too. Yeah. Like, and that's what you're at. You're after risky plays. You're after your opponent goofing things up. Yeah, just anything like that that you can get. Any little, any little thing. Because one thing that's easy, to, and this is a common issue with like the talking about games on the internet all the time, is uh, every game is perfect, right? Uh, oh, no, oh, in the dojo. Yeah, yes. it, people like you there there is a very serious element to the game that is just people screwing up even at the top end of players like even the best players like just goof up stuff all the time yep all the time and you you will definitely like no matter how good the players are you will see unforced errors if you watch for them or let them happen like yeah give the opponent the opportunity to screw up which definitely happens sometimes um yeah. Okay. So, so back to attrition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this, this is this is exactly when you want to put your caster in danger for no reason. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. The, so I I tend to think of like with casters, any any model they kill is sort of like free points because casters are free. <laughs> you yeah. know, like you you got one on every list, and they don't have different point values aside from I guess warjack points, sort of. Yeah. Um, um, and it's doubly true if a if an assassination fails. If an assassination fails, generally they've wasted like you know, 50 to 75% of a turn's worth of attrition. Yeah, because mo- most casters are just as effective on one hit point as they are on yes. more than that. Yes. Most, not all. Not Sorry. Not Not Harbinger, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but, but um, what I'm saying is they have to put a ton of resources into going for it. Yeah. And if it does fail, so hopefully you set it up in a way that it's, you know, you know, you you want to give yourself the best odds of surviving, but you want them to go for it because if it does fail, you're you you get back in attrition almost almost immediately. I mean, it's it's there there are times where it's almost a complete time walk. Like there yeah. are times where the opponent basically just gave up an entire turn because they failed to kill your caster, yeah. uh, and that's a huge deal <laughs> if you can get that to happen. Um, but even beyond that, like, uh, and, and this is part of why I like that. It's not to obviously say that like a caster that can do work is better than like casters that don't because some of them just work differently but um especially in the late game and this is part of why i really like playing casters that are able to do work um i don't play casters like you know Assyria really because um i find in that late game casters that can like murder a dude are really nice to have <laughs> mm-hmm. especially if you're behind um like ca- casters like Assyria rely a lot on getting ahead early and then just writing that out um, whereas casters like the butcher don't really care <laughs> about how the game's <laughs> going until they can go kill everything. Right. Um, so they, they can play from behind oddly. Well, uh, that that's just, I don't know. That's one thing I've felt about casters that are able to like murder stuff is yeah. they've just been really nice to have in the late game and in games where you're behind. Yeah. I've been feeling it a lot with striker two lately because mm-hmm. even though the list is just like machining things down, there's always that constant threat of, well, I got the striker back here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, that's the thing. and especially against casters that like aren't easily able to kill him. Really, mm-hmm. even after you overload, like, I mean, if it's oh no, striker's alone and he's got a Hyperion. Well, once he kills your Hyperion, uh, you've just got a serial left. You know, <laughs> like it's like you, that. That is a thing that can happen. You know, and and you can find yourself in a situation with casters like that where there's just nothing they can do. Um, but it depends. Not every caster is able to do that, obviously. But um, when you have that option, I really like it when I'm behind. So that's part of why I play that. It's part of why I play a lot of Fiora and stuff lately is because just casters that can smash stuff is really nice. Really, really nice. Yeah. Or even just having a hand cannon and being able to pick off a solo. Yeah, even yeah. really basic. Like, yeah, little things like that. Like, And that's one thing, Like, especially playing Protector for a very long time. I'm not used to my casters having like a gun. Mm-hmm. And so, so when it when I play around with like other factions and stuff, and I'm like, oh hey, I've just well, got like a random hand cannon that's boostable. Well, Infernal, Infernals is ridiculous for that because you're like, well, I mean, yeah, Zadrothal's gun, and they're like, where it's stats. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, you're like, oh, this thing hits like a train. <laughs> yeah, like, like this thing will wreck a light jack. Like if if you yep. with a little bit yeah. of luck, you know, and especially once once that thing has like minus six armor, it'll sure yeah. blow something up. Yeah, no, her her gun is beautiful. It's a wonderful thing um well and even like like agathon is well and agathon like, has the spell list which is even better. he's just like enjoy your heavy dying to my eight pow 12s <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so and then omodemos doing his thing he doesn't have a gun but he is gun <laughs> <laughs> you, you shoot omodemos at people <laughs> we played circle yeah. for a long time circle artillery shoots warp wolves 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. She, she shoots werewolves, <laughs> brings them back. Werewolf yeah. yo-yos. Yeah. So um, yeah, this is a this is a point where you get your cast are doing work, and then you also you uh you need to look and see as we said about scenario, but then also you should be looking for assassination runs at this point because in, in order to get a hit on attrition, a lot of the time, uh, you have to put your caster in maybe not the most safe spot in the universe, or the, cast like three spells. Yeah, or cast like three spells. The the nature the nature of assassination being the kind of win condition it is, um, that's going to be a part of the answer to all of these. Honestly, is I mean, if you can just kill your caster, then you're not losing anymore. Yeah, I think it so. applies a lot more to to uh, to attrition than it does in scenario because your yeah, caster sure. doesn't have to interact with the scenario. Well, and there's often a back element for casters to score, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the thing with attrition, though, generally is what, once you're actually behind and you're behind enough that it matters, which is the hard part. It's hard to explain that. That's I feel like that's something you kind of have to get a feel for with and, practice. And it's also very emotionally driven. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you're able to objectively step back and analyze the game in such a way that you can determine whether you're actually losing on attrition or not, once you've determined yeah. that you are definitely behind and are like, you know, in a sense that you're not like you're going to keep getting behind, it's a little bit similar to what we mentioned earlier in that you are going to start having to take more risks because you need your models to do more than like what they should on average at that yeah. point. I mean, that's one other thing behind is uh, that I, I find is really <laughs> useful is you've got a clock just like if, if you're down and you can't think of anything to do, go on a very short little walk. Yeah. Um, like and your brain works better. Yeah. Don't think about the game if you can help it. Your brain works better when you're moving. Like it's pretty, pretty yeah. scientifically proven that it's, humans yeah. like think better when they're exercising or after exercising. Have we talked about endurance predation? That's like my favorite thing. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that entire concept. It's so good to me. Yeah. I'm just going to walk at you. I'm just going to walk at you. You won't, you're going to run and sprint around like an idiot, but I'm just going to keep walking towards you. I can follow your tracks. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so go go um, take like a short little walk. Like, and and maybe... subconscious, subconscious processing is a real thing. It's true. Uh, um, go so get some water. Oh, yeah, water will make you think better for sure. Uh, yep. Or like a little bite of food or um, I don't know, like look out the window at the outside world. That's that's good too. Um, um, when it's particularly bad, I've gone outside and screamed. Have you really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. I did not very know that. passionate. I, I felt a lot better after that. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, definitely. Like when when one player is very behind on attrition is when you start like seeing unbuffed mat six heavies going into def thirteen heavies and stuff. Things I would never do <laughs> normally because <laughs> you're like, well. Gotta roll some sevens. Like, yeah, not boosting here because you're, you're yeah. just like, I have to connect with at least uh, like eight, like eighty percent of this. So whatever, yeah. here goes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like you'll get it. Some you'll get it like more often yeah. than you'd think. Honestly, yeah. like it. And again, it's a sliding scale. Like if you've lost two solos, you don't go for a ten percent assassination run. No. But if you only have two solos left and they give you a ten percent, you take it. <laughs> you take it. It's all you got <laughs> left. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, and so this is the thing: is for all we have, we have four four things to go over. With all of them, the thing that, like, I think is just the most important is, like, keep a cool head. <laughs> yep. You know, just yeah, look at the opportunities you're, you're available gonna, to you. You're never going to win a game you give up on. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are games where, like, you, you're playing against somebody and you have a good turn and then you look at their body language and they're all tensed up and they're, like, looking down and they're not really, like, doing anything. And you're like, oh, 
all right, I'm going to win this game. It's going to be they, really, they really the, no fun. But they do the sit down and play with their dice because they've tapped out kind of thing. Yeah, and, that which that was basically happen. me playing against Jaden's Wanderer list. That, that <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna stack some dice for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not kidding. Like he just sat down on our t- like turn four and started piling his dice up, and he was like. Yeah, this sucks. Occasionally, <laughs> yeah. he picked them up and roll them, and he's like, "That was that attack." And I'm like, "Okay, good." <laughs> that one, I wasn't even like really that behind. I just was so like, "I'm done." <laughs> I was just That's so right. done. I, I, the number one repeating strain of this is don't get demoralized. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Uh, time. Yeah. Boy, have I had to think about that a lot more lately. Dark Legacy yeah. is hard. Um, <laughs> Chandler doesn't clock for like four years. Starts playing Infernals, <laughs> clocks five times in the first three months. Yeah, not wrong. Yeah, yeah. it's a problem. Yeah, Grim Grim can play for play teal dice down. Period. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So uh, we already kind of I already mentioned this a little bit, but the am I already ahead on CP? Um, your your turn does not have to be long. <laughs> if, yeah, it, if you can get to round seven and still be ahead on CPs. It doesn't matter if you basically skip your turn. Yeah. Like, look at the table. If they've got a heavy left that you're going to have to deal with at some point because they're going to throw it at you, you need enough time to roll dice like six or seven times. So conserve your time because yeah, you're yeah. going to need it. That's that's really important. Yeah. So instead of making every attack that you're able to, you need to conserve your time. You need to make sure you have enough time to kill the heavy you need. So instead of killing you know, every solo you have access to, just push the things out of the zone, score your points, stay mm-hmm. ahead, and yeah. save the This is also, oddly enough, this is a very good... Uh, when you're very, very low on time and you're needing to get a heavy out of scenario, you're going to suddenly wish you had read the rules for power attack throw a lot better. <laughs> like, yes. cause the problem is, is you're like, I need to throw that, but it's going to take it. Like, I don't remember all the rules for it. And I'm going to have to sit and think about it for a minute. And yeah. that's clock, right? Like that's part of where like knowing those rules really like how do slams work? What if my smaller model wants to slam this bigger model? Like there are rules you need to know. Yep. And, Minus two to hit half distance. Yeah, and futzing yeah. around with them and stuff is going to be oh, potentially up, problematic. Pulling up on War Room is an automatic loss. <laughs> yeah, if you have to look something up in War Room, you're probably screwed. If you are, if you are opening that PDF while you're down yeah. in time, you have <laughs> awakened a slumbering dark god that needs, like, months to slowly raise from its slumber. And, like, and, and then you have to scroll around, which is a nightmare. And... Yeah. Oh, you selected that rule, so it should go straight to it in the PDF. No, it no the it's gonna be like it. yeah, it's gonna be the page after, and you're gonna have to scroll back one page, which takes like a minute for some reason. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Wish that was better, but uh, yeah. So like that's one thing is particularly for when you're down. Like, study a few weird things like that, like throws that don't necessarily always come up. Like yeah. I know there's plenty of people who just haven't really done them enough to to know how they work. Knowing how they work can be really important when you're really down on time. Yeah, it's actually a huge reason why we recommend uh, rewinding if you get an early assassination because you need to play these weird late game situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody's really good at playing turn one. Pretty much everybody's pretty well, pretty experienced at turn two. Should be good at playing turn one because you can play that. Yeah. Right. Yes, <laughs> um, most people are comfortable at turn three. Many people have played turn four a lot. Turn five starts to get iffy, and then the number of people that have played a lot of games turn six and seven is not many. Here be dragons. Here be dragons. Yeah, that's where, and... that's where the game gets. Well, and honestly, like, and this is a, a bit of a like, it it can take a lot, especially for for players that are a little bit newer or just uh, like honestly, just take the game less seriously than we do because we have a problem. <laughs> um, 
uh, it can be hard for a game to run that long because the thing is like your models are all in there dying and stuff. Whereas it, but those of us who spend way too much time over analyzing everything, um, we, we we've spent a lot of time kind of being able to like, you know, uh, dance around uh, threat ranges and work out attrition over a long game and keep yeah. certain models safe while other models. So like a lot of the time, this isn't always the case, but a lot of the time it's it's like players who are trying to play more competitively will start to get those really, really late games a little bit more often just by the nature of kind of yeah. keeping their things safe. Um, I, I like I have straight up seen games at, at, at tournaments where it's like round seven and almost nothing is dead. Like yeah, maybe a like a third of their armies are dead and there's still you're like you're on like round six. Why is there so much stuff on the table still? And it's just that's just how some games are. Um and it often comes down to just having to play very cagey or two very, very slow armies. <laughs> We're uh, both speed four, okay. We didn't start fighting until round three. <laughs> yeah, behold the, the man war on man of war game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it took a while to get there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, look for those incinerators. Yep, here they <laughs> yeah. come. Yeah, Can you know, please like... attack them so they're faster? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, okay. So I think one of the interesting things about being down on time is that it limits the things that you can pivot to. You can yes. pivot to scenario. Um, mm-hmm. If you have probably about 10 minutes, you can pivot to assassination. Mm-hmm. And you if you're in like, you can do it in like three if it's like a well, my caster has to charge your caster. But yeah. if it's anything like it's with sloppy. any steps to it, then yeah. you you're gonna need a minute. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't think you can pivot to attrition. On yeah, I don't, when you're down on time, I don't think you can win on attrition if you're down in time. Period. Unless you're already way unless you're already way ahead well, on attrition, which can definitely happen. Yeah, and and if yeah. you're not that far down on time. An interesting side effect of being ahead on attrition is you have more models to activate than the other person. Right, right, yes. Yeah, <laughs> which is the dark legacy problem. <laughs> yeah, which is, you get I, to the I end of the game and you're... I start yeah, you get to the end of the game and you're like, my army is larger than it started and uh, I have crushed you, but I have eight seconds on my clock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, another thing... Have... That... Go ahead. I was going to say, have tokens ready to go. Yeah, okay. I was I, go to that I'm system. so horrendous about this. Yes, you are. Organize, organize. So this is my problem. Before every event, I organize all my tokens, right? I organize them. They're all nice. After game one, they're a clusterfuck. Like, it's just, <laughs> I just throw them all back in and, and they're never organized again. Um, and, and my measurement sticks are everywhere and it's horrible. And, and this is by far the biggest complaint about being low on clock is that gameplay gets sloppy. You still yeah. should, you should still be putting out your tokens. You still need to mark effects. You still need to be clear about what you're doing. Yeah, but your token system isn't organized, and you can't reach for it and grab it in a short amount of time. You're not going to when you're down on clock, and that's what makes the game bad. So, yeah. Sub sub thirty second dice rolls are phenomenal to watch. <laughs> oh man! Uh, sub, so I have some advice for sub thirty second dice rolls. You should have two in each hand, and one of them is the to hit dice, and one of them is the damage dice. And yeah. that's like, because then you can roll it to hit dice and then just roll the damage dice and then look and see if you hit and then look and see if you damage and then mark over and be like, that's that's that, mark it. And then that's they can an mark old, it back and you do it again. An old D&D trick. Where yeah. you 20 and your damage dice all at the same time. Yeah. Um, uh, you sh- Wait, what, what else? Um, so about clocking, you, you do need to be familiar with what is legitimate to clock to. Uh, and you should... 
you should never ever be trying to do something like oh i'm behind on clock let me ask some complicated questions to slow to trip yeah. them up on their turn yeah that's not okay that's so, and, yeah. a, and a good opponent and a good player will clock back to you to answer those questions <laughs> which yeah. would backfire hilariously well one thing is that like honestly like when, when you're that far down on clock like when you're in that last like 45 seconds things get stressful Ugh. people get a little bit sloppy it's yep. it's gonna happen like hopefully so, so I've seen some judges say, if if there's less than five minutes on each clock, call me over. Yeah, yeah I like that policy. Yeah. And, and that way, like, say there's things like, I need to know how throws work. Uh, you you don't have the pause in clock. But the yeah, judge but if you have does. a judge there, a lot of the time they're happy to be like, pause it real quick. Let's bring it up. Because they want to make sure that, like, the game yeah. isn't decided by you, like, not remembering how a power attack works, which is, like... Yeah. <laughs> you know it's like uh the rule is there you should be able to use it you just can't remember the specifics right at that moment because the game is freaking complicated like we can't expect right. everybody to know everything all the time um yeah that's always really nice and, and another thing and this is a really hard thing to do is if you are so i almost ne- like i almost never pass the clock to my opponent for anything i'm really bad about it um unless they're like really being slow about something like really really ridiculously um like if it's 30 seconds per tough check and their whole army is tough i start doing it yeah exactly yeah (laughs) or every time you ask like a pretty easy question like hey what's that's defense and they're like sitting there staring at cards for a while i'm like okay i'm gonna well that's you for a second because that's that's the trick right is yeah uh, (laughs) you want to get better at the game you want to get better at clock memorize stats yeah Uh, exactly yeah yeah Yep. The more stats you have in your head, the faster you will play. Yeah, even, yeah, even if it's sure. just your stats. Obviously, yeah. it's oh, better yeah. if you know all of their stats too. Well, and, that, and that's this kind of similar to the power tech thing. Is it's just like the more rules you know and can bring up really quickly, that's that's faster. Yep. <laughs> so it will help with time. Um, but one thing is that like, and, and you'll see this pretty often, and it's not something I want to like give anybody shit for exactly because it's the same. As I said, the game gets stressful at this point. Um, be consistent about what you're passing the clock back and forth on. Uh, I yeah. see a lot of times where people get down on clock and start like passing the clock on like a lot of stuff that they would never do normally. Uh, even in it, it's, it often kind of rides the line of being something you should pass it for or not uh, including, and this is, so this is the most common one is when people are marking damage. Oh, yeah, um, they'll do the like, Okay, it does 12 damage and click the clock to you. And you're like, literally, you can just start rolling the next one. I have it marked now. Like, I'm marking it as you Yeah, you're, this is going to be like, a game-dependent thing because some people are and that's the thing is, and some people so, are not. And that's, that's part of why this usually doesn't really get called out. And I, I'm not, like, calling anyone out on it. But I'm just saying that, like, just think about that stuff. Yeah. Like, don't pay attention to whether or not it, like, it's, it's, it's much better sense. to if you yeah. do that, like, before... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and at this like by the time you're at that point in the game, you should know kind of is my opponent fast at marking damage? Are they really slow at marking damage? Right. Yeah. If they're slow, you've already been passing clock to them for a while anyway. I mean, that's kind of what I mean is be sure to like if that's happening, like establish that that's what you're doing. Because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> you have the right to, you absolutely do. Yeah. Uh, it just it like again like that last like minute. I I have seen very very few games that are played super cleanly when everybody's sub one minute on clock. It's just the game, it gets stressful. So you just have to try your best, you know, focus, try your best. Yeah. Yeah. If you have to make sure to throw dice in such a way that you knock your opponent's models over. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, it's funny though that when you're behind on clock, our our advice is like the same thing we're uh, we're trying to tell you to do in normal situations that you should have already prepared. You know. Okay. Well, um, and that's that's kind of the think, thing is think is, on your opponent's turn. Have your right. is is have being down on time. 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 Yeah, being down on time is a case of probably decisions from earlier in the game. Well, in yeah. there probably a case of not having prepared enough you're you're not down on time because you like because of how the game is going you're down on time because you weren't correctly prepared for the situation yeah and it's like so the thing that's been killing me with dark legacy and the reason i keep clocking is because i've been so strong on clock for so t- so long that i'm really lackadaisical about it and because yeah, i'm literally Jim like, is like by, oh, by being, going? yeah blah, blah, by blah, being blah. like chatty and half paying attention and like futzing around and chatting and doing whatever I'm still consistently like 10 minutes ahead of my opponents on clock. Most of the, like almost every game I've played for years. And now I'm playing something that actually taxes my time. And so I'm like, Oh, I should probably stop doing all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, because it's just been one of my strong points. And and that turned it into my weak point when I actually had to apply it. I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, (laughs) so I've been working. I, I do have a strategy for like token management that I've been employing the last little while. And it's been really useful. So normally when you pass the clock over because your turn's over, right, you sit down and you go, because, like, your turn's over. And either something went great or something went bad or, like, it's just really tense because who knows what's going to happen. And while your opponent's getting their tokens out, you should be prepping your tokens in little piles for your turn. Yeah, like... Playing a lot of, like, Protector Hearts of Darkness, I have two juniors in my caster. Yep. Um, I'm... I'm getting to where I'm constantly setting out a small stack of focus slash essence for each of them. Yep. Um, yeah. And actually for Infernal Masters, uh, determine like which model am I going to kill for essence? Here's my essence stack sitting here. You right. Have, Infernals have like Dark Legacy has just a dozen tasks you need to do like right at the start of your turn. Yeah. Uh, and most of them aren't dependent on what your opponent does. Yeah. No. They're just things you need to get done. Yeah. And uh, so like prep for those get get ahead on that kind of stuff uh yeah, grimkin I, I know is doing a lot of the same stuff right now with a lot exactly. of bump lists yeah uh um, and there's like like if you have a way to go over your focus limit you should be tracking that on your opponent's turret and you should just be adding like oh i'm gonna have one extra focus click that's on the pile all right i'm gonna have one more that's on the pile yeah or stuff like that should be you mean like soul one- collection yeah, yeah like that, if you've got soul one, collection or something else that lets you go over. Yeah. One thing I have done, and it can be slightly confusing, but I've found that basically every opponent doesn't care. Um, if I'm using tokens that are like circular that stack for souls, I'll often just put my regular focus stack on top of that and mm-hmm. be like, that's my whole focus stack now because those souls turned into focus. Technically speaking, it's kind of weird because you still have your soul tokens down, but I've found like most people get it. <laughs> I haven't found anybody who gets confused. Um just say what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You go, hey, okay, this is my focus stack. You know, it's yeah. You, you can you can verify that really. Easily. And these things sound kind of pedantic, but like, it adds you, up. <laughs> you're gonna have seven turns, right? Yeah. Like in a, in a very long game, when you're gonna go, you're going to clock. So say you spend, if you do this like the very efficient way, where you've got your focus set out, you've got your upkeeps that you're gonna have out, you've got like effects that need to happen at the beginning of the the phase planned out, and your your maintenance and control phase takes five to ten seconds instead of like, all right, where's my sticks or where's my essence? There's five seconds right there. All right, how many do I have? Count them out. That's another five seconds right there. Okay, this goes on. Oh yeah, there's my there's my caster. That's another five seconds. Right? Like it's probably gonna add up to some number of minutes. And if you had those minutes back at the end of the game, you're not stressing out. Yep. Yeah. 
I mean, if like there's, you know, let's say you make this is probably less than there would be, but say you make a hundred decisions in a war machine game. If you can take two seconds off of each of those decisions, it seems very, very minor, but that's another like more than a minute and a half. That's uh, that's three, three. minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. It's late. Right. I don't do math. <laughs> we do the math on the podcast. Thank you. Yep. This is why this is why I have you guys. I'd be doing this by myself if I never had to do math. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the the last one we kind of wanted to talk about um, is you, you listed as caster pressure. Um, this is kind of the so it's kind of weird because the thing about like losing on assassination is you kind of have either lost on it or you haven't, but uh, you can sort of be losing on that. <laughs> Do you think this goes to like understanding what their list is doing? Like, I mean, that you, certainly helps. <laughs> yeah. Like if you see, Oh, this is a list that can pull an assassination off really well. Like you start going, okay, time to start looking at where those shit with a, what are the little arc notes called? Um, foreboders. Foreboders. Yeah. Where can those foreboders run to? This is now a very relevant oh, yeah. question. No, yeah. I have, I have some agathon matchups that I'm like, yeah. well, my plan is run my like almost half a dozen foreboders into yeah. crazy places and if one lives they die <laughs> you're, yeah. like, you're like all right here goes <laughs> yeah so yeah. It, it's a it's a lot about noticing what threats they have and whether they're starting to angle them towards your caster like yeah for example if you're playing against grimkin and you have an undead caster they have like a zero percent assassination chance yeah that's fair so um, but but on the other hand if you're playing against like sloan that needs to be top of mind almost every turn yeah yeah the other thing is that if if you're going to be playing in a in a matchup where your caster is constantly getting pressured, it means that either they have a list that's very ranged heavy and doesn't want to play scenario very well, or they've got some sort of wickedly long threat range on one or maybe two models, and they still don't want to be playing for scenario super well. Yeah, and, so, they, and there's usually like one or two chain like links in those chains that you can break. You can either break those links, or sometimes it's okay to kill box your caster. Yeah, well, or not even kill boxing. Like if you run them 12 inches to the right like oh, at sure. the killbox yeah. line um yes their feet's not going to affect everything yes it's gonna be hard to put spells out unless you have a lot of arc nodes but you know what you know what's worse than that losing on assassination yeah right it, i have definitely had games and you have to be able to kind of see because the thing is is we all come to the table with like our cool models that you know yeah. maybe painted and want to play and you got your caster who does something cool you want to do. Sometimes your caster's job is to not die. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and that's all your caster is ever going to do. That whole game is just not die. And oftentimes, especially if they are threatening assassination that hard, oftentimes their list won't attrition your basically casterless list yeah. very well. Um, yeah. Because you, you'd be because amazed if, how much you can do. Yeah. If assassination is still their plan, even after you run to like the far right corner, um, that means that like uh, their list is so bad at attrition, and they're still like running after it and still not making it attacks. Yeah, which right. Is, which is part of why slow and hearts of darkness is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh no, I can't kill your caster. I'll just have to use my million attacks to kill your entire <laughs> army. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's important to like, so this is another thing where it comes down to like knowing stats. Also, if you're like new and you don't know stats very well and you explain to your opponent, I'm pretty new. I've never played against your list or your caster or whatever. Would you mind giving me a quick rundown of 
what like what it does. Most people are going to be like, yeah, sure, this is what I do, and I have this kind of assassination threat, and well, blah blah blah. So even if they don't say things like that, they'll 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 talk you. They at the very least they will tell you every spell on their on their card, and hopefully all the special rules on all their models. Yeah, um, at, at minimum. Yeah. yeah, and and so now it's your <laughs> job to put those together, right? Uh, and they're going to forget some. Yeah, of course. So look at look at the cards afterwards. <laughs> we'll just pull yeah. up in a room. Yep. And um, especially like if you're that new, like you can yep. do that kind of stuff at tournaments. Some people won't tell you a lot. Like they'll tell you what they have to. Um, but like if you ask me questions like that, I will sit and talk through my entire army with you. I don't oh. mind. Yeah, I tell I, the judge like, to start your clock. Yeah. Yeah, I I have. I have I, I've, people. I've gone through that explanation on my clock because oh, when, yeah. because the the LVO judges will walk by and start my clock and I'm like, happy <laughs> You're I'm like, like well, right, not yeah. stopping. Yeah. <laughs> I usually try to start like deploying or something while that happens. <laughs> like, okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, start it's not a bad way to do it actually. Like, if you're going first and you're like, yeah. all right, so I'm gonna start deploying. Yeah, I'll, I'll deploy and I'll say what my here's what my stuff does. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially like, man, let me tell you, if you're playing Infernals right after Lock and Load, you had to do that all the time because everybody's or any new faction. It's always like, I don't know what any of your stuff does. It's like, yeah, nobody does. Um, well, another good way to do it is I like pointing out each of my models and identifying them by name. And then yeah. saying, like, oh, this is the this is the Stormclad. He's the one who gets a focus from Storm Knights nearby. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be super thorough and, and go over that stuff. Um, people always apologize like a lot about how many questions they have. I will, yeah, it kills my clock. I will happily sit and go over questions and stuff with <laughs> Except people. For what he's playing for, Except for what, yeah, I, well, that's the thing is I still do it. I need to stop. Like I need to just be like, here's the card. <laughs> shut up, <laughs> shut up during my turn. <laughs> I got shit to do. <laughs> I still have forty models. Everybody at LVO, be prepared for asshole Chandler. No more, no more niceties. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna be just as bad. That's just how I am. Um, but. Yeah. So I, I don't know. There's a lot. Of, so, so I think running your caster safety is by far the most important thing you can do. If if you notice that it, they're very seriously assassination focused, um, I think it's also <laughs> this isn't a losing thing. But um, if you're winning on attrition, um, but your caster has taken some damage, it's time for them to pull back and just camp a lot, or um, spend focus or fury to heal. Sure, that but is I mean, also a good thing to do. Not time to cast signs of importance. <laughs> It's not time to go go camp one just to get all your spells right. out. But Harbinger needs to martyr them. <laughs> yeah, look, That's if you're playing Harbinger. I've got one box left. And she needs to martyr them. Yeah, it's not like I can shoot you anyway through your 12 shield guards. Uh, yeah. I feel pretty safe in saying uh, this podcast is not for Harbinger players. Uh, they're never behind. Well, <laughs> I mean, you say that, man, but there's a lot of Grievous wounds and no healing out there now. <laughs> but, but I really hate Harbinger. <laughs> Good to know. So, Brett, what you're saying is if I want to tilt you off your ever-living head, I should just play Harbinger to you? Have you noticed how, like, I, I played a caster strictly because they have mortality. <laughs> I'm like, this caster's bad, he only has one list, but he has mortality, so I'm playing him. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, guys. I think, I think we're petering out on this one. So hatred to harbingers, or you draw the line. That's where it's it's over. It's over now. Okay, so <laughs> stop being mean to my hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't 
I think you're right. I just wanted to say that it was funny. Anyway, so yeah, so it's just some thoughts on on kind of what sort of stuff to do when you're behind. Um, it it's kind of interesting to talk about because there are definitely things you can do from behind, but the ideal scenario is to think about these things before you're behind. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's good to be able to, to, to know how to kind of keep your cool and play from that situation. Cause it happens a -hmm. lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen to you at least probably half the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Anyway, in closing, I want to give a huge thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon because you guys are neat. Yep. Pretty neato. If I had to give a, a review. Neato burrito. Neato burrito. Nailed it. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the Patreon, if you want to check it out, it's at patreon.com slash LOS War Machine. Um, it's just basically a setup where you guys can basically give us a tip for what we do. Uh, we don't have anything paywalled or locked behind it, but, uh, if you just feel like supporting the stuff that we do as well as helping out getting, um, I just ordered a camera. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That was Patreon funds. I'm getting a camera and a tripod and I'm going to start figuring out some video stuff because War Machine needs that, uh, of some form. So yeah. And a huge thanks to everybody who does already support us on that. Uh, it really helps uh, Jade and I get out to these events and stuff like that. And, and especially helps kind of justify it to our families and whatnot who uh, have to deal with yeah. our, our madness. Yeah. So, Thank you so much my guys. It's, it's wife, a huge deal. Wife tolerates the gigantic cabinet of models I have in my basement. So yeah. <laughs> Nerds. Uh, also, big thanks to Broken Egg Games for their support. Uh, I think the only thing I've really seen from them is from a few days ago, they posted that it looks like they've got their um, uh, line laser. Oh, do they? Yes, which is great, because that thing is out of stock like all the time. It is, and I really need one. Those ones are the yeah, best. I really like the Broken Egg laser. I had one forever ago. And, you did. And, like... I'm not even sure. I still like have it, but like one piece inside is missing because <laughs> like it just got taken apart at some point. I never found it again. So I really need to get a new one because I needed a I need a line laser. I haven't had one in yeah. forever and it drives me nuts because they're, they're going to be at LVO too. Yes. Yeah, they did. Yeah, there was at Las Vegas open <coughs> uh, with their booth. Uh, and if you go to their online store, at least you can use the code LOS five CODE, get 5% off everything on their store. Uh, yeah. Also, big thanks to Tyson, figure painters. He's also the guy who's running all the stuff at LVO, which means he hasn't had a lot of new stuff pop up for a while because no. that guy is busy. But if you Apparently, want the awesome, he's making those those uh, resin trenches and things that he he posted pictures of. Those are going to be for sale after LVO. So that's I hope good. he starts doing more terrain stuff because he. I think LVO has the best like three D terrain. Of 2.5D terrain. Yeah, yeah. He d- and that's what he's figured out really good ways to make the tables look really interesting without being an absolute pain in the ass to play on. Yep. Um, so I think it'd be awesome if you put more stuff up like that. But other than that, he does have like the awesome smoke bases for uh, rocket men and for space marines if you're into that kind of thing. Um, or minute men. Uh, as well as the awesome, I love the, the basalt. The, um, I love those so much. They're super cool. I, I don't have any. So pretty because of that. Yeah, I I have the the nether like uh, lake ones, and they're really mm. really cool. But I really love those hex ones. They're just they're super cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you want to check that out, you can go to figurepainters.com and see everything that he's got going on. Our website is loswarmachine.com and see everything that we do, including all the articles that we're actually writing. Yeah, uh, as crazy as that sounds, feels Even good, man. Feels good. Yeah. 
yeah, we've got um, we've got uh, some of that Monpox stuff coming up, which Brett's been working on, and I probably will be soon as well. Yeah, uh, that's just good because I'm going to transition back to War Machine in March and April. Oh, that's that's good timing. That's solid. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> got to make sure that none of us are ever on the same page. That's Correct. really where that's really the well, goal. We don't we don't want to turn into a 100 percent Monpox podcast. Mm. I don't know. Think about it's it. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Scrapping war machine. We're done. No. Uh, yeah, we we got a lot of we got a lot of fun ideas for for article stuff and whatnot coming up um, for various topics. So yep. yeah, uh, and that's all on loswarmachine.com. Uh, as I mentioned, you can find us on Twitter at los underscore Chandler at los underscore Jaden or at chokeobsess underscore ll. Email us at loswarmhords at gmail.com. Or the easiest way to see everything we do is find us on Facebook at Line of Sight. Give that a like and, I don't know, follow. And you can root me on as I try to finish all my crap before LVO. Yeah, Jaden's in a painting marathon. It feels weird. I'm not. I have very little to do. Is strategy for uh, getting all my stuff painted for LVO? Mm. No. Switch back to the faction that was already painted. Uh, (laughs) There you go. (laughs) See, see, okay, so I have that as a backup because I do have Infernals (laughs) all painted. But, man, is Flames fun. Also, it's really good at new Infernals, and I think there's going to be a lot of it there. So Wait, you're saying that the anti-Infernals theme... (laughs) Hey, hey, that doesn't always happen. It's true. Look at the, look at the yeah, primal no. armor. <laughs> yeah. A that is literally useless against Infernals. I had, um, this is kind of random. It doesn't really have anything to do with how good or not it is, but I had Alish remove, um, uh, well, damn it. What the Storm Rager? Storm Rager from a primal archon three times in one game. <laughs> He removed four upkeeps in one game. I was like, man, Alish, you are doing work, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that guy. Uh, you can also message any of us on Facebook. We're generally fairly friendly. Or on Discord. Or on Discord. Yep. Although I'm on there a lot more than these two are. so I'm not on it a whole lot. If you do, if you do like at me on it, I do see it. It goes into my phone. Um, I, actually, I actually check it a lot. I just don't chime in very often. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Brett's there a lot. Yeah, I've been kind of keeping an eye on things lately a little bit more, but... Um, I don't know. I'm in and out of it. I have, I have more Nipper one list. That's true. Yeah. The last post in general is from, it's from Brett. It's, it's boy is boy negators. I hit hit the negator button and then I couldn't hit the negator button anymore. (laughs) Unfortunately, the negator button turned into a stalker button, like right at the end there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. The next time is episode 110. That's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. See you all around. Bye.